I don't think this is common for every teacher, but it was actually quite common for me, mm -hmm. is that each year I would have a number, well, not a huge number, two children who would not talk to me at all during the course of at the all. year. At all. And it, it was so common for me that I just came to accept. It was just part of the cohort that I would get every year. Now, I don't know if that's about... No, it probably is about me. I just, I just <laughs> like to pretend it's not. Yeah. Um, or about you know the the community I worked in or what. But yeah, every, every year a few at the start of the year it would be a larger number. Yes. Over the course of the year it would whittle down. By the end of the year there'd still be a couple that wouldn't have said a word out loud to me all year. One year I had one of these, and I, I'm not great at that. I would try and build a relationship there. You know, I understood the importance, but. When you're getting somebody just look back at you blankly when yep. you talk to them, it's a relationship is a two-way thing. It's yes. quite difficult. Yes. Um, so and when I, they're four, trying to mm, reason with them too, yeah. like you can't force them. Yeah. They know what they want to yeah. do. Yeah. So one of these children that I had, you know, I tried, but I'd sort of reached the stage where I was no longer investing a lot of energy in trying to move this relationship beyond talk. where it was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I was now accepting of where he was and we just continued on like that. And, I'd, you know, I'd internalised the idea of, well, this kid hates me. <laughs> I'm not to everyone's flavour. That one hates me. That's fine. And so, so I was, that's, that's where I was. You know, he and I, we weren't, we weren't having fights. But, you know, he hated me, so yep. I could move on. Anyway, his mum came in one day and said to me, Oh, we just got a dog on the weekend, a little puppy. It's really nice. He made us call it Max because Aww. he loves you so much. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and, and, it was all I could do not to go, but I thought he hated me. Hang on. It was yeah. totally beyond my comprehension that this kid, kid. did not hate me. No, um, he liked you. He just didn't want to. Yeah, he just sure, he didn't want, just want to kick the dog. He just, maybe. maybe <laughs> <laughs> later in the year, they found the dog. Like poking its eyes <laughs> exactly. and pulling its tail. I'm not entirely convinced that wasn't the case. But yeah, and and that happened to me quite a bit. Not always with yep. the children that didn't say anything to me, but often with the children I'd completely considered hated me. Yep. I'd hear back from their parents about this. You know, at home, he won't shut up about you. Yep. We all we hear about is Max all day. Yep. It's like, really? Yep. Ooh, that's not the impression I get from the behaviour yeah. I see. No. <laughs> I actually had one of those recently. Yep. I, I think I was telling you um, during the week. But, yeah, I went. we went to a butcher's and there's this, I don't know, 17-year-old. I didn't even look at him. I was on the other side of the shopping centre. The next minute, you know, um, my other half goes, oh, you know, is, what school – did you go to? And he's like, you know, and he mentioned the school. And I turned around and looked at him and I, oh, I had him in grade three. But, yeah, he turned to me and goes, oh, you were the best teacher I ever had. Mm -hmm. You taught us that dance. And and I kind of, I was like, and Brett, um, my other half said, oh, you said that to all your teachers. And he goes, no, 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 she was. But in my class that year, mm -hmm. he's not one of those kids that I thought would be. Like, mm. I was – on his back to get his work done. Yep. He was not getting his work done. He was disorganised. Like I was, you know, nice to him and had a rapport with him. Mm. But he's Did not the kid that I... feel like he would say that? No, 10, ten years, years later. later. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's quite surprising, isn't it? Yeah. It, it, it shocks me that, yeah, the impression I have of a relationship isn't always the one that's being had on the other side. Yeah. yeah. 
and that he just didn't want to communicate really with you. Mm. But then, yeah. Wow. But that dog was going to be named Max and there was no <laughs> way of getting around it. Thanks everyone for joining us for the Teacher Learning Network podcast. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit professional development organisation supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce books, magazines and apps as well as running face-to-face -face and online professional development for our member schools. I'm Max Grarock and with me is Kate Shinner. Kate, so today... We're looking at the idea of relationships yep. and how important they are in yep. education. And our big question for the day is how do I challenge the, and I'm putting this one in brackets, I only teach these kids, <laughs> I don't have to like them, philosophy. I like the way you just read that. That's exactly how we attended, intended it to be. <laughs> have you had a conversation with a teacher where they've said something very similar to that? Oh, of course. Yep. I've heard that come out of people's mouths before and not just you know, one teacher and not just a specific age, but yeah, like I just go in, I do my job and I leave. Mm. And it surprises me because I'm someone that's almost the opposite. Like I feel like that relationship is really important mm. and I go home worrying about them or mm. thinking about things or wondering what I can do. I mean, you know, and obviously there's those children sometimes that just that year just don't connect with or yeah. just, you know, might may clash with and that's okay too. But yeah, I've heard that and it's kind of scary. Mm. Which is why we're starting that. from that point, though, because I know how how central you see relationships in education, yes, yep. and I do too. So there was no point in having that discussion because we just would have been sitting here agreeing with each other constantly. Yep. So we were trying to twist it a little bit, which is why we're saying, how do we challenge that that thought? That, that thought. Pro yeah, that yep. behaviour, that sort of statement yep. from colleagues. So with that in mind, Kate, you've done the reading yes. this week. Tell us so, about what read. Well, first off, um, here at the TLN, we um, have uh, journals that come out um, was it three times a year. Yep. I've got my boss sitting here with me too, so I've got to make sure I say the right <laughs> thing as well. <laughs> um, but anyway, one of our recent um, issues is the relationship issue, and um, it's a fantastic read. I do really like it. But one of the articles that I think I connected with um, was called Relationship First, Then Quality Teaching, which is by Jane Langley. And mm -hmm. she's one of our regular presenters and someone that, you know, um, does quite a bit of work with us with our um, relationship, um, with working with kids with relationships. And, mm -hmm. and so just, you know, there was so many things in here that I just really liked. And I think a lot of them are actually just really simple little things. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that you go, right, you need to um, implement this program. And if you do it every day, if you do it, you know, that you need that suddenly things will get better. It's just a whole lot of simple yes. things. But what is quite interesting, it says um, strong and supportive relationships between teachers and students are fundamental. Mm -hmm. But also for people to feel students to feel are likely to more feel feel more positive about school. And if they're feeling more positive about school, so developing those relationships, they're more than likely to engage in like learning tasks. Mm -hmm. So having that relationship is really just the, the, the first thing. Um, and what she goes on to talk about um, is that, you know, teachers need to be kind of, I suppose, warm and nurturing, but also firm but fair, which I like. I really like that, you know, that, uh, that um, the way she says that. Um, but also they need the teachers to believe in the students that they actually are capable of succeeding. Mm -hmm. It's quite funny over the last few weeks in different conversations between my home life and work life, um, you know, I've actually heard a few people say to someone when they were younger or say to a student going, oh, they, they, they won't get anywhere. Right. You know, and so to hear that just worries me. But mm. for her to turn around and go, look, they can, you know, and, and, and also to help them with their task. 
But what I really – and she talks about um, a bit of research that she's um, done in, uh, in terms of is it the Search Institute in the United States. Um, they've developed um, 40 developmental assets that enable young people to be successful at school. But what I just really want to turn to, I think, is that with her talking about the – she's got some strategies first, just really simple things. Mm -hmm. First off is um, – you had me at hello, so in the morning, mm. talking to them, welcoming them, saying hi. Mm -hmm. This is something I think I learned probably in my first couple of years of teaching, and I probably didn't realise how important it was. Mm -hmm. But then suddenly, more so over the last few years that I was in the classroom, of kind of seeing them in the morning, oh, hi, mm -hmm. like, and saying their name, oh, hi, Max, how are you? Mm -hmm. I mean, not one did then they feel special and feel like, you know, that I knew them, or, you know, that I, that I, that I was happy to teach them and mm -hmm. the welcoming into my room. But also instantly I could see if they'd had a good morning or not. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? Because yeah. if they just came in, yeah. head down, straight to their bags, I was like, oh, gosh, okay, like, we've got an interesting day or maybe I have to catch up with that person at some point. But just that, oh, hey, how are you? So I'd spend the first kind of, you know, five or ten minutes letting them, hi, how are you, bags in. And I didn't get to every kid because that's not possible to get to, you know, 26 kids. Hi, how are you? Oh, hi, how are you? Oh, hi, how are you going? But if you're at the door or close to the door or somewhere looking at them rather than rushing in quickly setting up mm. your things. Mm. Um, and I think, and even just for me with my class, that's not even for a secondary teacher, which I know is difficult too. Um, and then getting to know your things about your students in the classroom. So, um, you know, share something from outside of school. You know, what do you do? What did you do this morning? What are you doing on the weekends? What did you do on your holidays? But you're actually getting to know them so that then you can go, oh, how'd your grand final go on the weekend? Mm. Oh, oh, okay, you didn't win, but mm. that's still good you got that whole way. Yep. Or, oh, you're into, um, I don't know, kickboxing. Mm. Oh, wow, that'd be great if you could come and show us, you know. And so I think just getting to know them outside of school, not mm. just inside of school and they're that child that sits there and this is what I know them as a learner but actually getting to know them as a person um, and also getting to know them in the playground too um, you know just seeing what they're up to what they like to do I think just all of those things are really important but what Jane's got is five things at the uh, towards the end of her article she's got one um, so each day so one smile say hello and use the student's name to have conversations with the student when you're on yard duty that was something that I loved I mean yard duty you know, I was going to say sure. sucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I know we have to do it, but when you've got so many things to mm. do or whether it's the middle of winter and it's freezing mm. and, you know, you're going, oh, and you're not feeling very well. But well, I loved actually having those kids walk around with you, whether mm. that was the kids that you were teaching that year, whether it was kids from the, the, the previous year. That actually made it a bit of fun, made it go quickly. But, again, then you kind of got to know them. Three, check in um, on the students in the classroom. Four, take interest and listen to your students story and offer words of encouragement and praise and effort and I know they sound super simple and I know it's hard in the day but I think they're actually really important mm. on a daily basis to have to be doing those things yep. and to really have that rapport and relationship with them and not just you know I'm your teacher and you need to do right let's get this learning done mm. for today but actually just making the time because I think that is really important. And I think if you've made that rapport with them even early in the year, that the rest of the year will end up being a lot easier. Okay. I used to, uh, when you talk about this, you know, those basics, yep. right? You're right. They're the basics of human decency on one level. So they shouldn't need to be talked about. But they do because teaching comprises of so many other things. 
It's mm. easier to forget them. Yep. I once worked, early on in my career, I once worked in a service that uh, the room next door was right next door and we would start at the same time. So all the parents and children would wait sort of in the same area. And I was fairly new to that service and I'd actually been a little bit radical and broken with the tradition of that service, which was to make the children do a lot of work and get through a lot of product which would then be given to the families and the families would love it and that was sort of the tradition that was going on there and I'd broken pretty radically from that yep. by deciding purposely to be more laid back around the way I did things and the other teacher continued on that tradition and I, I'd always felt bad about it. I actually constantly was worried that all the families that I had were annoyed with me because I wasn't producing this product. And then one day, one of the families in the other group pulled me aside and said, you know, we all look on really jealously every morning when you open up your door and you let everyone in and you smile at them and you yep. say hello. One, because you open up on time and they're so busy next door, we don't never get yeah. in on time. Yep. And then they open up and because they're so busy getting everything ready and getting everything done, they're in a foul mood yep. and they sort of bark at us as we yeah. walk in. Yep. And we look over there and we see you smile and say, oh, hello, come in. And you see someone come in late and you're not angry with them. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Yep. Um, it, was, it was really affirming yes. because I wasn't purposely doing it with that in mind. Yes, um, but... So, but... Yeah, I was mm. really surprised that I wasn't seen as the one that was the second rate group yes, that yes. one was actually, there was something to be really, really enjoyed in that yep, group. Yeah, um, uh, just quickly, a couple. Uh, my last lot of teaching, um, I had a grade six class and I actually worked four days a week because I was part-time because I had a little one. And so I worked uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. And on Wednesday, a teacher who was actually going to have that specific class this year, she retired at the end of the year before. So I took the class on, but she decided she wanted to see these guys uh, get to the end of the year. So she came in and taught on Wednesdays. And we both had very different ways of teaching, which as I've said, there's things I did well, there's things that she did well. But one of the big things these kids needed was a rapport and a relationship mm. with, which I set out to do. And so what really happened, no matter, I said, our teaching styles, but Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, I'd be like, hi, how are you? You might tell me what's going on. I can see you're not that great. Oh, how'd your footy team go? As best as I could, mm. not perfectly. But on this Wednesday, I know this particular teacher only had one day, but she came in quite gruff, with, quite firm with them, didn't really care, didn't really want to know much stuff. So then by the time I got to Thursday mornings, I had to probably spend the first half an hour, 45 minutes going right Unleash with me what happened since I saw you <laughs> right? You tell me everything. Like, what happened yesterday? What did you get in trouble for with another teacher? And they would just go, blah, and, like, just spew out all this information because they'd kept it in the whole day, been on their best behaviour, sat there, not said a word, not said anything, done everything right so they wouldn't get in trouble. And so they just needed that time yep. to, you know. And so then it got to the point where Tuesday afternoons, you could see kids would take Wednesday off or they would mm. start to panic going, can you please put that in the note mm. for the teacher that, that, that she knows that I'm, mm. you know, doing this. So, but just the relationship over the, the, the couple of days, I think that was the big thing. I could see the kids were just desperate for it. Mm. So, yeah, Thursday mornings were a bit of a disaster getting into that teaching, but it's what they needed at mm. the time. 
We should invite. We, we should, should introduce our guest. We've got with us today Michael Victory. He's the executive officer at the Teacher Learning Network, which makes him our boss. How are you going, boss? Michael? Yeah, I'm good. But I have to say, Max and Kate, I'm feeling very nostalgic. Kate was just talking about yard duty and how tough yard duty is. And I was actually just going, that was some of my favourite recollections about teaching. Before lawyers got to yard duty and ruined it, we <laughs> yes. used to be go out and play cricket, That's play high basketball, high kick the footy with kids. So I'm old enough to remember a time when you could do that. And that was a good thing to do because you actually created connections with kids. Yep. You know, so like when the big year 10 kid took a screaming mark over you as the English teacher, he felt good about the world. That was all right. And actually, funnily enough, he'd actually concentrate in the next lesson because he demonstrated his power and he'd been able to sort of exercise his um, strength, if you like, um, and he felt really good about the world. So. Yeah, that was we're, before we're not allowed, I know, Yeah, exactly. We're not allowed to go out and play games with them no. anymore. Like, look, we could on another day of the week, but because we've got our yellow vest on, it's important. Yeah, that you have to be watching everyone else. Yeah, which, which is not to say. Game. Well, it's not to say that's not the right thing to do either, because you know we don't want kids injured. But it does. It, yeah, I was just feeling nostalgic. That was all. <laughs> I know, but again, setting those rapports up outside of school, particularly the male teachers, because there's not many of them in a school, like particularly in say a primary school. Um, having those male teachers out there playing those ball games with those boys, it would actually end up having uh, less issues because there's so many, you know, and punch-ups and... And you've just opened the whole gender debate. Yeah, so let's just put the lead back on that. No, no, but just having, you know, but having those role models to look out to would be good. Yeah, you know? let's, let's, put, the lead, let's put the lid on the gender one. I'm writing 1050, so I know where to do the edit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but listen, this is a great topic, so thank you for inviting me to be part of it. Um, and I guess where I want to start is simply that, before we even start with relationships, yeah. I would argue that this topic is really about your philosophy as a teacher. Mm -hmm. So what's your basic philosophy as a teacher? So lots of teachers out there, whether they admit it consciously or not, all of their actions tell you that their philosophy as a teacher is that their job is to transmit information to those students. Mm -hmm. Their job is to get through the curriculum. Mm -hmm. And that's a philosophy of teaching. Now, for those people, don't worry about relationships. Just keep going. Just keep teaching that curriculum, just transmit that knowledge, and in five years' time, you're redundant because Google will replace you. Kids can access information that's more recent, more up-to-date, and has more views in five minutes than they can, and you can in any 45 or 50-minute lesson. And if they don't use Google, they'll go to the Khan Academy, they'll go to one of the online services, and Ed Rollo is the new one we've got here. So if that's your philosophy as a teacher, that your job is to transmit knowledge and information. Don't worry about relationships. Just keep going the way you're going because you'll be finished in five years' time anyway. We won't have to worry about you. How's that for an opening? It's more like a closing. <laughs> <laughs> so then the debate becomes what type of relationships are important? Because if you are a teacher, you are in a relationship business. So the question becomes what type of relationships are important to you. And I reckon that's where I'd like to have the discussion. What type of relationships are appropriate in the classroom? Because we just, I think we all accept it's, it'd be a bit of a dud argument because we're all in furious agreement that you have to have relationships. So surely the discussion is about what type of relationship. And going to your question, is liking important or not important? Do you have to like the student? Is that important or is that not important? 
So I'm putting that back to you two. My, the relationship one's hard to tie down, a type of relationship, because I think it starts to put artificial boundaries around something. It highlighted to me, again, early in my career, um, I had a parent phone me up quite apologetically because she'd had a discussion with her child who'd been talking about me as though we were friends. And she'd told me that she had to be very clear with him that we're not friends, he's your teacher and you have to treat him like your teacher and you have to respect him like your teacher, he's not your friend. And I just went, oh, don't worry about it, like, it's, not, it's not a problem. And it sat weirdly with me, like I, I didn't, I, I was never completely satisfied with my response and I don't know what I would do if the same thing happened today, but it would be something along the lines of, it doesn't really matter if he thinks he's my friend. He needs to be in a position where, you know, he wants to listen to me, treats me with a level of respect, and, and as you should a friend. Um, and I think very young children see, find it very difficult to differentiate different kinds of relationships. So if he thinks I'm his friend and that moves him towards, you know, <coughs> learning things from me, I, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, it's, if, you, if you listen to the way very young children speak about TV, they speak about the characters on TV as though they're their friends. Mm. They speak about, oh, I know, if they talk about a television program, Dora the Explorer, I know Dora. They don't say, oh, I watched that, I've seen that, I know who she is. I know Dora is what they say. Yeah. Because she comes to their house and talks to them. So they think she's their friend. So whilst it's probably important to put certain boundaries around relationships, especially at a senior secondary level, granted, I don't think being incredibly specific about the very narrow nature of a relationship as a teacher and student mm. has has a lot of meaning, especially with young children. But I think once you move into the primary and secondary, mm -hmm. um, I think you're right. It, it's interesting how does it shift and does it change mm -hmm. there. And I think one of the, the really concrete things that uh, happens in primary and secondary mm -hmm. schools, which raises the questions central to this debate, mm -hmm. is what do you call your teacher? Mm. So do you require your students to call you Mr mm. or Mrs yep. or Ms? Mm. Or do you allow for the use of first names? Mm. And in that, you'll begin to flesh out what teachers actually think, what mm. parents think, and what the students mm. actually think about that relationship. Yep. So teachers, some of them will insist on the Mr, the Ms, the Mrs. Yep. Um, one of my uh, two of my children attended a school where the principal went by her first name, mm -hmm. not by her choice, but she came into a school as the principal where first names for teachers were just standard practice, mm -hmm. and she actually had to get used to being called Kate by right. the students. Yep. So that was a change for her. But in that school, the use of first names, it was a primary school, reflected mm -hmm. the type of relationships that that school wanted to mm -hmm. promote. In my own teaching career, I always insisted on the use of Mr. Mm, because yeah. I thought that that actually created the necessary distance between mm. me and the students so that I had the role of teacher, they had the role of student. Mm. However much I insisted on it, uh, most of the students just changed it to victory or vic anyway, so it didn't really matter much. So my standard opening joke for, this, for the year was, you know, my name's Mr. Victory, you can call me Mr. Victory or if you don't like me, you can call me Sir, it's up to you. 
but again, in that I was sort of just projecting mm. uh, what I thought about the relationship mm. and I kept them at a distance. Yep. If I was to walk into a classroom tomorrow, I don't know what I'd do. I suspect I wouldn't tell that joke and I might have a very different view about it. Mm. But there is the crunch of how do you actually work out the relationship and it comes to how you address people. I worked in services where it was fairly typical to be uh, Mr. and Mr. First name, yep. which is an early childhood Like thing. Mr. Max. Yes, that's, yep. a, that's an early childhood thing. Yep. Um, and never went by it. I always changed it to Max. I'm yep. very uncomfortable with yep. that. Yep. Um, but you, And you talked earlier about there being differences, you know, primary, secondary, early mm. childhood. But I would argue that, you know, a, a proper definition of early childhood is zero to eight, you know, in a part, okay. the IJN yep. sense. Yep. So it definitely extends into primary. I would say a, you know, foundation child is the same as a four-year-old, like yep. in that sense. Okay. Yep. They think their teacher is their, well, you, I think it's the most healthy when they think their teacher is their friend. Yep. Um, if they think there's some other thing that has enormous amounts of authority and expertise and isn't their friend, that, that learning relationship won't work. Yep. Okay. Can I now throw into the debate two words, mm -hmm. love mm -hmm. and like? Mm -hmm. So your big question was, what do you do when you get a colleague or a teacher mm -hmm. that says, I don't really like kids? Mm -hmm. And I want to throw up against that the thing that we say that I've heard said, mm. um, oh, she loves kids, she would be a great teacher. Yes. Because yep. Yep. you have yep. to love kids to be a yeah. teacher. Now, I think yeah. I'm really interested in that. Mm. And my argument, based on some of my own research at the moment, mm. is that we've got a problem in Western anglicised countries mm. with the word love. Mm. We actually don't have enough understanding of what the word love means. Too often, we simply go to the, uh, well, the Greek word is eros, or you know, the erotic side of love. A, a love is an intimate relationship that we have. That's the most often term. So when we say, you know, you've got to love kids, just feels a little bit uncomfortable, mm. particularly given the history of the last 20 years and what's come out in terms mm. of inappropriate relationships. Mm. So, and, and I just want to make the point, nothing in the conversation where this goes says that any sort of relationship, intimate relationship between a teacher and mm. a student is okay. It's absolutely not. Most cases it's criminal. If it's not criminal because the student's over it, and then it's certainly inappropriate. Yes. So let's make yeah, that yeah, clear. Yeah. Yeah. But I do want to, I'm interested in investigating this difference between like and love mm -hmm. and is part of our problem is that we actually don't have enough richness in the word love mm -hmm. to be able to explain the relationships that we should have with teachers. I don't know if either of you want to pick up on that idea. I think you're right at being a cultural thing. Um, I saw Carla Rinaldi at the Early Childhood Australia Conference last year. She talked a lot about love and the act of education being society's act of love for a child. So we decide Ooh, like to invest money in education. Like, because I mean, it's a big imposition on society yep. to pay for schools and teachers and get all these children into one place. It's, it's a huge imposition. And we do it as a society because we love children and, and, and want to express that love by helping them grow and develop. Yep. And did anybody else out there in podcast land just feel a bit uncomfortable with the idea mm. of loving children? Mm. I'd... But see, I don't like the whole. I annoy, like, it, it bugs me a little bit when teachers are like, oh, I love working with kids, or yep. I love kids, or, mm. you know, or even those people that aren't parents yet. Mm -hmm. you know, I love kids, I can't mm -hmm. wait to have my own. Yep. Sometimes I kind of I don't like that statement at mm. all. Like, I'm like, I don't go. There is a 
across the year, I'm sure, or now I think you sit and reflect on it, there is obviously there is going to be that love for my those kids in in mm. different ways depending on the kids mm. and but if you're thinking about them in a professional way as much as you are you're thinking how can you further them how can you develop them how can you help them with that particular issue they're going through there is that thought you know said especially when you're putting so much effort and energy and thought into those children mm. and not even just the children in your classroom the children in your year level or the mm. children around the school or the children you taught last year or the child that you mm -hmm. see and go oh wow they did, they're doing really well mm. but i said but i don't like that oh i love working with kids like mm. yeah. i hate that but yeah. but i think there is that that love and i think yeah it's funny to say it that way. It is, because what's often attached, it's not the case uh, that you mentioned about colour and algae, Max, but, but love in the way that we normally express it is around desire. Mm -hmm. There is something that I want. There is some, so, you know, if we fall in love with somebody, we desire that person. We want that person mm -hmm. to be part of our life. Mm -hmm. So there's, what goes with love usually is that sense of wanting or that sense of desire. And as soon as you put that into the mix of teaching, yep. it becomes uncomfortable. Yeah, definitely. But the sense that I think that, uh, by the sound of it, uh, Carla Rinaldi, is that the right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. was when we, we do this because we love students, uh, love children, we provide them with a good education. There's an otherness about that. So our love is expressed in our concern for the other. So not our desire of the other, but our concern for the other. And so this goes to some of the research I'm doing myself. So... Um, and the, the Greek word for it is agape. Mm -hmm. So my concern is absolutely for the good of the other. So when I say I love the students in my class or I love the children, what I'm saying is my concern is what is good for them? What's the good? Not that I desire them, yes. but what's the good of the other? Which is a little bit different to how you say you might love your own children if you're a parent. Because mm -hmm. there is a desire to want them to be safe and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But the good of the other is this sense of agape. So when I say I love them, there is that relationship, which is my whole focus has to be on them and the otherness in them. So I don't know whether that makes sense to you or not, or if there's yeah. anything in that you want to reflect on. It does Oops. make sense. Just to, yeah, said, like you said, it's a bit of a funny way to talk about it mm. and try and articulate the best way, you know, and especially as, you know, things have changed the last however many years. But I think you're right. I said the investment that you put in them throughout the year and that you want to see them even the following year, you want to see them do well, and you go speak to that teacher and some strategies. But yeah, I haven't thought about that. So, way of so life. And if you take it back to, you read from Jane Langley's article, and Jane's fabulous on this stuff, um, is that, that greeting them in the morning, part of it is about making an assessment about where they are, which mm. I agree with, but it's also that thing about you are concerned for the other you know, they are other than you, so you're trying to create that connection with them to take up that concern. Knowing that they're into, I think kickboxing was one example that you used. So, you know, knowing what they're into, knowing that they're in a grand final on the weekend, is a concern for them so that, yep, you can ask them a question, you create a connection, but there is, there is that genuine love for the other. So what is that person doing as a human being that I recognise, that I acknowledge, that, you know, I, I can interact with and help me move them further forward. So that's really what you're doing. You're not just doing it as a behaviour management strategy, no. mm. although it works for that as well, but you're actually doing it because it comes from a genuine concern for them as the other. Yep. My problem with it is I think that's exhausting. It is exhausting. <laughs> you know, you've got 25 kids, you've got 25 four-year-olds who are scattered all around the place, you've got 25 grade threes, you've got 25, you know, year tens who are sort of feral. It's exhausting to be constantly interested in them as the other 
and wanting the best for them. But again, I think what I would argue is that if that's not our starting point, we've got a problem. If we start lower down and we go get it tired and exhausted, I think, you know, we don't end up with very much. But if we start with that's our aim, that's our ambition, that love for the other, then I think we've got a really good connection point. I'll leave it there because there's something else I'll come back to in a minute. There's two things working in opposition here. There's the... the Definition of love Michael's trying to provide us yes. with here. And then there's also that deprofessionalizing that comes with the I love kids so I'll be a good teacher mm. concept. Yes. Um, and that idea that all okay. you need is love, yes. that there's no we need to like skill and get on. or yes. Um, yes. anything more deeper than love involved. Yes. I think that's one of the discomforts mm. involved in saying love. Yeah. I, I know. And, and it's one of those things where um, it, it makes a bigger difference the younger the child you work with because um, th there is, and I wholly disagree with this, an argument that when working with very young children, as long as you love and are kind to children, then that's all you need. Yep. And, and as you go up, you know, to sort of tertiary level, then it becomes more of a subject specialisation. You yes. become an expert in your subject, and you and you potentially, you know, in a, in a, in one view, can disconnect further from any sort of relationship with the learner. Yep. Um, so I, I, it's it's a hard definition mm. to draw. Mm. Is this idea that um, a relationship and and a sense of love is vital? Yes. But it's not the only component. No. Um, and that. Yeah, there's still something quite professional in expressing expressing a form yes, of love. Yes. Can I pick you up on that? Yeah, I think love is part of being professional. Mm -hmm. So what I would argue is is that once we position love as being the good of the other, mm -hmm. what I then do as a teacher, my role as a teacher, to say, okay, what experiences can I offer that person mm -hmm. that allow them to keep their development going? Yeah. So my interest in them as the other is how can I help them continue to grow as a person, grow as a human being? So that's the expression of love for the other. So, and it comes to another podcast we did at another time, which was around Hattie's learning intentions and all that sort of stuff. So the issue here is I'm not just a technician as a teacher mm -hmm. operating in a certain way. What I am is a professional who's making constant ongoing judgments yep around what is good for the other, yep. that student there. Yep. What is their experience now? What future experiences do they need in order to continue to develop to be the best human being? Because my concern as a teacher is to allow them to be the best human mm. being, which is almost parental language, I recognise yes. that. But that's also my job as a teacher. There is another there, and my job is to keep constructing experiences to allow that person to keep growing. And that's the expression of love. Yep. So I think, we're certainly not there now, Max, I agree with you, love deprofessionalizes us. Mm. But I guess the conversation that I'm interested in starting over time is how do we make love part of the profession? Mm. Because yep. I think it actually, it's the only way, we, it's the only word we've currently got which actually allows us to fully express what it is we're trying to do. So, Max, go. Well, I'd like to return to our starting question, which is how do I challenge the, I only teach these kids, I don't have to like them philosophy. <laughs> yep. And I might answer this in the first instance, which is, is a fairly short answer, which is someone who said something like that to me, what, what I might throw back at them is, so if I've said I only teach these kids, I don't have to like them, 
I might say back, why do you expect them to learn if they don't like you? Mm. Kate, like what it. would be your response yeah, right to someone who says that? It is like this two-way you know, street that they need to, you need to, if you value them, they'll value you back. And um, my first reaction was a little bit of, I mean, I think you need to have the best intentions for all the kids in your class. However, there's sometimes there's that, that couple of kids mm. You know, so it's hard because if you're saying, oh, I don't have to like the class, mm. that's different. But then if there's that a couple of kids, I mean, obviously you're trying to do things to get to know them. But if there's that child that's just driving you batty all the time, I don't necessarily believe you have to actually have to like mm. them. Mm. But you're still, there's still that love to, I suppose, at the end, if this is where we're talking, there is still that love to get, want to get them places and you're still putting on this effort and time in. But there's, I mean, there's people that we work with. There's people that you know you you've been at university mm. with. You actually don't like, but you figure out what you need to do mm. to kind of get on with them. Yeah. So I don't know. There's this this thing saying to me, you don't have to like that kid, mm. but you're still going to put all your effort and now your love to get them there. But maybe just the two of you just don't mm. work. Yeah. I don't know. Because there's something really dishonest about the idea that I like every single. I love I, every kid that, that I've taught. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I yeah. go. Don't, I mm. don't because no, there are some kids that yeah. I said we've that maybe we've clashed in the past. Mm. I've tried lots of things. Obviously, mm. they're not willing to, mm. you know, meet me halfway or whatever. And yeah, I just I don't know. That's kind of a bit of my gut feeling. And Michael, well, how would you challenge <laughs> me? I only teach these kids. I don't have to like them. Oh, I have, yeah, I do have to laugh because when I first looked at your big question. My immediate reaction was, well, if you don't like kids, get out of teaching. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that was my first reaction. You know, if you're telling me you don't like kids, well, get go. Yep. You know, go and do something else. Go and sweep the streets, something where you don't actually have to interact with people or kids. Go and do that. That's great. Um, but then I had to backtrack from there. Because um, I think Kate's right. I don't think you have to like every mm. student. But I do think you have to love yes. every student yes. in the sense that you have to have a concern for what is the good for them. Yes, exactly. And, and I think that's the important thing. So, yep, I'd, I'd say to them, look, yep, you don't have to like them, but you do have to love them. Yep. And you have to love what is good for them and their ongoing mm. growth. Um, have I got time to throw in one more thought? Yes. Yeah. So the other thing I wanted to say, because I think this is important, because I talked about having to love 25 students at a time is incredibly exhausting. It's very exhausting. Yeah. I think the challenge for us as teachers is to create an environment in which the relationships are such that every person in that room has love for the other person. Mm. So in the 25 kids you've got, you have to create an environment when each of those 25 kids can love the other 24 kids in the room in that sense of what is good for them, what is good for the other. And look, I know this is an ideal, mm -hmm. and all those listening out there who are you know, fronting up to a classroom today and tomorrow, you'll be laughing at me. But again, my job is to post the ideal for you that you can work toward. Um, but also the other thing then is if you create that environment yep. where everyone has love for the other, then you also become the receiver of that. Yes. So you create the environment where those kids are actually thinking about your good as a human being as well. And that's what restores you in the sense that you, you know, it restores you after you're exhausted from doing the loving of them. Yep. So for me, that's, that's the challenge of teaching. And again, recognise to all those listening, that's an incredibly difficult concept. But I would argue that's what we have to aim toward. And the closer we get to that, the more rewarding it is for us as teachers, the less exhausting it is. So, you know, stress and all that sort of stuff, work-life balance, all of that's put into 
perspective if we create an environment in the classroom where we're restored by those relationships of those kids. Hard, but that's the ideal I think we work toward. I've hey, talked for too long, sorry, Max. No worries. Thanks, right. thanks so much for joining thanks, us, Michael. Michael. No, it was great. It was a good opportunity. Thank you. The Teacher Learning Network podcast is hosted by Kate Chinner and Max Grarock. The Teacher Learning Network is the not-for-profit teacher professional development organisation that's supported by the Australian Education Union's Victorian branch and the Independent Education Union's Victoria Tasmania branch. We produce online and face-to-face professional learning opportunities for educators in schools and early childhood services. We also publish books, magazines and apps to support the education community. To view a calendar of our courses and find out more about our resources, please visit our website at www.tln.org.au. The Teacher Learning Network is a membership-based organisation Schools and early childhood services join the TLN to support the individual professional learning needs of their staff. Once members, all staff can participate in our professional learning at no extra charge. To find out more about joining, visit www.tln.org.au forward slash join. If your school is a member of the Teacher Learning Network, you can produce a certificate recording your engagement with this podcast. These are great pieces of evidence for your professional learning records. You can generate a certificate by visiting www.tln.org.au forward slash podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback or input about the issues we've discussed today or any other suggestions for future podcasts. Please email any feedback or suggestions through to me via max at tln.org.au. If you like this podcast, please rate or review it in your podcast app. It helps us reach more teachers. Have a great day and you'll hear from us again in a couple of weeks.